Free Songs Podcast. Yeah. Episode 129. Special episode. Fancy Yeah. Right, episode 129, September 6th, 2020. Bob Nastanovich, how you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Good to hear. I mean, you know, when I, you know, because I always say that because right. I'm well, out here and as, having as, a good time. As well as can be expected in the middle of a global pandemic and all that. Yeah, so that should be one of those things, like, what do you call those things? As well as... A W like how does it work, Mike? Yeah. A as well as can be A. We should make yeah. one of those things. Sure, sure. I like it. Uh, I'm Mike Hogan. Instead of like I C Y M I, as well as right. can be expected. Right, right. Yeah. I I like that. How are you? I like that. I'm uh, I'm as well as can be expected. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Of course you are. You, uh, you I'm little si- devil. I'm sitting here in Portland. You know, I'm happy to do a show. We're doing a special show tonight. It's we kind of teased it in the last episode. And um, we're it, it's different for a number of reasons. One, we're not playing three artists each. It's not three. It's three songs podcast, but it's we're we're, we're each bringing four artists, and we may even play multiple songs from some of these artists. So that right there, it's kind of a deviation. But the other thing is, we're playing songs that I think are artists that I think both you and I are very familiar with, and. I would assume many of the listeners are very familiar with. This is this episode is less about music discovery, although maybe it still is for some of the listeners. We hope so, including ourselves, and for ourselves too. Yeah, right. Um, What we're doing is really we're playing a lot of like um, well-known and established artists from the last fifty years. Yeah, okay. that, that we assume most, you know, in the first 120 Everybody's episodes. Everybody's heard of them. Right. We, we yeah. assume people are familiar with, to some extent, whether or not they're fans or deeply knowledgeable is another matter. But these are all, uh, I, I, I'll speak all for myself. All bands that have had books written about them. Sure. Documentaries. Sure. Um, and I'll speak for people, myself. In fact, I, oh, you speak for yourself. You tell, I'll speak for myself. You tell me if this is true for you too. At least the artists that I'm bringing, and some of the ones that you're bringing too, are very important to me in my music experience and listening as a fan. Like they help shape my view of music in many ways. Absolutely. So, uh, so with that, let's start it, and I'll start it. Uh, I'm going to play a song from a band that I know everyone knows, and this was my first favorite band. I was probably seven or eight, and I got a copy of Meaty Beaty Big and Bouncy by The Who. Boy, would have bought that when I was ten. <laughs> yeah, and um, absolutely... Actually, I think I, I think I actually took it out from the library. <laughs> nice. I think I still own the same vinyl copy that I had when I was seven or eight. Um, but I, I know I definitely own, uh, for Christmas... When I was eight, in 1979, the soundtrack for Quadrophenia of the movie Quadrophenia came out. And I got that for Christmas when I was eight in 1979. 
and I still own that vinyl double LP. And I didn't even realize for years and years, I didn't even realize that there was an earlier LP. I just knew the soundtrack. And I don't know if you're familiar with the soundtrack, but side four is a lot of the music that they're listening to in the movie. So it's like James Brown and Booker T and the MGs and the Chiffons and stuff like that mixed in with a lot of the songs from the original Quadrophenia LP. And that's the version I knew. Uh, so I'm going to play something from that record. I'm going to play the lead-off track from that record, which just for me is so... It just defines everything that makes The Who great, in my opinion. You've got the amazing, just crazy drumming of Keith Moon, this this like burbling, <laughs> bubbling bass line of... And, and, and twistle, so, man, yeah. and twistle. Uh, the guitar of Townsend and the songwriting of Townsend, as well as like the over-the-top vocals of Roger Daltrey. So this is this is kind of the lead song off of Quadrophenia. It's the first actual song after the intro called, you know, uh, whatever. The, what about the C? Uh, it's the real me, the Who, 1973. Yeah, started off right. <laughs>
Yeah, that was that was pushing into the red there, and I just let it go. That 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 is that I like that powerhouse powerhouse, right? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, just, hey, you know, let's talk. I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. When my sister turned sixteen, yeah, um, my parents, um, we were living in Midlothian, Virginia, and like they had a we had a nice back deck. Your and sister Mary, by the way, which my, my sister Mary, my yeah. sister Mary, my, my sister Mary, it's her birthday today, so it's that's the connection. Whoa, yeah, fantastic. She, how old is she? Like thirty-two? No, no, no. She's fifty-five. Oh um, no, easy. Come on, Mary, you might be listening. Okay, I doubt it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and she was who introduced me to the Who, by the way. So go on with your story. <laughs> I mean, my <laughs> sister, yeah, Mary. So Mary, sir, when she, and they're the same age. Okay. Perfect. Amazingly. Yeah. My sister's slightly older. And um, by she was only, I think she's about 50 days older, to be honest. Um, and she actually listened, so sorry, Mary. Um, but her 16th birthday party, my parents decided to like, have it be like a party. We never had a party like this. And there was, my friends had started a band. And um, they were called The Sellers. Um, C-E-L-L-A-R-S uh-huh. and Steve West was the drummer and he also um, was a huge fan of Jim Morrison and and he, he come out lead singing and stuff like that but like they knew songs like, like you know they played the first song ever played live on that property was Can't Explain and, like they thought this was going to be like a party that would be like a few dozen kids from high schools, but it turned out that like the word got out and there was like, suddenly it was a bit of a crisis and there's like 250 people out there, um, with like boxes of beer and stuff like that. And like things got a bit out of control, wow. you know, like, yeah. and, uh, it was actually the seller's first gig. And, um, they went on to be a band called Contico Klein and, and all this kind of stuff. But like, they were, uh, I think they played at least six Who covers because those Who songs, and just like, you know, keep in mind, like the Who and the band that I'm about to play, they started out as like pub rock bands. Yeah. So, like, sure. the, ability to, the ability to cover songs by the Who and the Clash that I'm about to play by anybody still exists. Right. And so, like, right. where I work at Prairie Meadows, there's all kinds of like brutal cover bands that play on Friday and Saturday nights. And, and some of the best songs you'll hear is like, you know, them playing early who. Right. And, um, but like, uh, I mean, like, I don't really, there's no way to do them justice with this time period. Um, the characters involved. I mean, so much power. I mean, you know, I mean, granted there were four members, but they were essentially a power trio. They were one of the original power trios. Right. Right. Because yeah. I mean Keith Moon, Keith Moon is one of the greatest rock and roll drummers of all time. Yep, yep. Obviously, and, Pete Townsend is one of the greatest rock and roll guitarists of all time. Uh-huh. Roger Daltrey was a brilliantly talented singer, singer, and I mean, like just like and Twistle with the the you know just and Twistle has it. had so much style. Yeah, I mean, you talk about style. Yeah, yeah. and um, so obviously, like you know, we're not going to play Led Zeppelin. Actually, we're going to play the Clash next, who also started out as a pub rock band. That's right. As the one oh one before they became like a punk rock band. Right. And like things things happen fast. And mm-hmm. like just like the Who, things happen really fast. Like right. these guys are really good and they were very charismatic 
and there was a lot of talent there. There was a lot of excitement. It was the 70s, and all kinds of magic was happening, and they had everything that you needed. They had, like, you know, characters and excitement and, like, you know, so much... And, and the lunatics involved, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. So when we're talking about The Clash, we're talking about Strummer. I mean, Strummer. like, yeah. uh, Mick Jones. Topper. You know, t- Topper Hedden, for God's <laughs> sakes. Paul Simonon, yeah. Uh-huh. Paul Simonon. So it's like, you know, like, I don't, I don't really even know how the Who and The Clash got, got along. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, a similar thing, like, we, I don't even know, like, I've never heard any stories about the Who and the Clash. And they operated in different universes because, like, the Clash, like, readily, whereas the the Who, like, became, like, a major worldwide rock and roll experience, the Clash got into, like, politics and punk and yep. and a lot of reggae influences. Yeah, well, they did tour They're, together, the Who and the Clash. They played, they toured yeah. the U.S. Can you imagine? They, I'm sure they played, you know, loads of shows Yeah, together. I know. But, like, that and we're not amazing. 70, you know, right. so um, right. I did actually see time. the clash in ninth grade at William and Mary Hall with my sister, Mary. Wow. And I was I think I was one of the youngest people there. I think it was kind of a famous night. This guy I went to high school with Rick Jones, got hit by a bottle. I'd never seen slam dancing before. <laughs> and like my mother dropped us off. She didn't know what she was getting her kids into. And like I kind of stood there nervously like a, a reggae band. I'd never even seen a reggae band. Like I didn't know what reggae was. I was 13 years old. Right. And I knew like, you know, I knew like, uh, you know, it's combat rock tour. Yep. And, um, I mean, I knew the hits and stuff like that. I knew training, obviously training and Bane and, and stuff Bane. like that. But like, should I stay or should I go rock? And you know, back then you could buy their first album. I remember like I had, had a car with an eight track player and, and, um, I, the only eight track that worked was the Clash's first album. So, like, I drove back and forth to high school every day listening to the Clash's first album. Then, of course, I bought like Santa Nista and London Calling and Give Them Enough Rope. Yep. And uh, one uh, life changing day for me as a, as a 17 year old, I bought the 10 inch EP Black Market Clash, mm-hmm. which has so many great songs, mm-hmm. including the intro to the show tonight. Time is tight. Yeah. Their, their version yeah, of the cover. Yep. And, um, you know, pressure drop and like, right. I love the cheat. Like, yeah. um, if, if I ever had to like cover a song, like cheat, like I know all the lyrics, lyrics off the top of my head, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, cheat, cheat. Yeah. I mean, like, you I can't mean, win. Insane. Yeah. 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 Cheat, cheater, don't get anywhere. Yeah. You can, I guess you could apply that to yesterday's Kentucky Derby. That's enough about racing. So, <laughs> um, this is, uh, I'm going to play a, um, you know, it's people think of the Clash in a certain way, and I, I think a lot of people know the song. But like, um, the when I listen to the Clash these days, and I mean, you know, there's so many songs you can play. But like, what I always reach for is Black Market Clash, which was released in 1980. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna play uh, Bank Robber off of their 10 inch EP. It's interesting because people always talk about 10 inches. What's the best 10 inch you've ever heard? What's the best EP you've ever heard? And stuff like that. Like, make a list, stuff like that. Black Market Clash is the best 10 inch EP of all time. And <laughs> wow. uh, in my opinion, Could, but like, yeah. this is, this is uh, Bank Robber by The Clash.
So what I love about that song is, yeah, it, it's a reggae dub song, but the melody of it is just so pretty. It's a really, and the words are amazing. Yeah, the words are amazing, and the Clash were a huge influence on me in high school, um, and helped me discover so many other bands, and also made me think much more differently. Their politics. Um, because I wasn't, before them, I wasn't really listening to bands that were talking about a lot of the stuff that they were talking about. Uh, and I loved that they were a, quote, punk band. But they would do stuff like that. They would do reggae. They would do dance stuff. Like You know where that comes from, though? You know where that comes from? That vibe that they have with Black Market Clash. Armageddon Time. And like, yep. Is Don Letts. Sure. Yeah, Don yeah. Letts. They, like, they befriended a guy in London in this in the mid 70s don letts he was in big audio dynamite mm-hmm. and a dj and he had a clothing store and like um he was um he'd met in 76 he'd met met and hung out with bob marley in london and like um he kind of like uh brought that whole vibe into the clash and mm-hmm. like uh, he had a huge impact on the clash and he's he's oh, he's only about a decade older than me he's, i don't know what he's doing but he's still humming along but like Donovan Letts, I mean, he's, you know, Jamaican roots, like, and, uh, and like, you know, I thought that was kind of like, a, you know, the Who didn't have that, like, no. um, you know, not no. to say anything bad about the Who, but like, that was like, and it's not even anything bad about the Who, it's like, stylistically, like, Don Letts kind of changed things for them, and, and like, uh, in terms of their, instead of just like, um, you know, Making you know. the same record over and over again. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and one of the other things that's so amazing... He brought in me, the dub, and he brought in the reggae, and yeah, he was a DJ, but, you know, like... But Joe and Mick and Topper and Paul had to be open to the idea of allowing themselves to experiment with new sounds. And you'd hear it on Sandinista, or one of my favorite Clash songs is so not like the Clash... Um, or so not like punk at all, which is This Is Radio Clash, sounded like nothing I heard. When I first heard that on MTV in the early 80s, I was like, holy shit. No, I loved it. it. Like, I mean, if I were going to pick one Clash song to play, that's what I would play because it's just, it's like everything... In a way, I think they were making fun of themselves on that song. I guess. In a good way. Maybe, but but it just, musically, it was bringing in all these other influences like hip-hop and, you know, uh, DJs, and it was so... They were cutting edge. It was so different from what you were hearing in terms of what a punk band was doing, right? And I think we talked about this before. I'm sure we talked about this on the show before. But, like, the death of... Joe Strummer in 2002, okay, mm. was just like incredibly right. famous guy died. Like, it was like right. obviously early internet. So, like, Joe Strummer, who obviously mutually, like, Mike and I obviously share a tremendous love for Minutemen. And, yeah. um, you know, they, you know, they love Strummer was a huge influence on them. And we've been like, so was Richard Howe. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's they 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 wear those influences on their sleeves, but like 
Um, but, you know, so a guy like Joe Strummer dies, and it's just like, you know, it's like back page news. Yeah. And that, and like, you yeah. know, like now, and, and like, obviously, like our generation of rock and rollers are dying, our heroes, like, you know, because just in a lot of cases, just because they're old. Sure. And, um, so are we in certain ways, but like, yeah. um, it's just like, yeah, I mean, Radio Clash. I mean, I mean it's just, I mean, so many things. Like, uh, I just think that, uh, I don't know, I, you know, it's like you get into these situations where you, these formidable artists mm-hmm. who had a huge impact on our teenage years, it's like, you know, how much, like, how much are you going to say? We could obviously do, like, shows about all these bands, but, like, obviously they're a big part of our lives and like um you're gonna actually go to like a even probably a hot like well not in the case of the who but like you know probably the highest level of fame and success on this podcast yeah of of any of the artists we're gonna be playing tonight sure sure um yeah and, and and another artist who died too young um and while still having not really though because like it was amazing how long how long how long did he how long did prince live for he, uh, I don't know, but he 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 died a few years ago. I don't have it handy. I can pull it up uh, here. He lived. He he was born in 1958. He died in 2016. So, so that's uh, a hell of a run for a guy like that. Well, I mean, right. I mean, he did live live pretty hard, but you know, I mean, he didn't he didn't make it to 60. Um, and. You know, he's he's somebody that even up until his death was still making music, and I think we probably still had some music in him that. Uh, oh, know, obviously, w- but at the same time, like what he accomplished was well, absolutely mind blowing. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course, and you know, I think about my first experience with Prince might have been it was probably around like Little Red Corvette, early eighties. MTV. Oh, era. the hits, like M- you know, the yeah. hits were just. But but keep in mind, we are the like Mike and I are the MTV generation. Like yes, the early days, yes. Yes. when things were like kind of raw and cool. Like right. You, I mean, I, I I'm would, saying like in terms of MTV, which like I always thought would always hold its place. Like it's kind of unfortunate that they, you know, became a reality TV channel. I mean, right. it used to be about. It used to be cool in certain ways. I right. mean, like. Um, I would come home and watch MTV after school. Like that's just what we you could do. watch it. We could watch like yeah. we could watch these things. Like right. So some things we hated, and some things we thought were amazing. Right. But it was just it the idea of you know it was better than radio because it was visual too, and it was. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, like in case of Don Letts, you know, the guys on the cover of Black Market Clash, who was a huge influence on the Clash, he was their videographer. Yeah, right. You know, so, so like, you know, bands had those, and like, um, and I, I mean, I'm sure they still do, but like, that was a thing. Like, um, and the music videos are still a thing, but it's mostly like a YouTube thing. Right. Right. For At least sure. in this country, For like, sure. you know, they still have like, you know music video channels in Europe, I think, but like, you know, how many channels can you put on your direct TV right now that are just showing music just videos, videos from the last 50 years? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have direct TV, so I don't know, but it's, um, I'm just saying I, any kind of TV, right. I'm saying like, yeah, anyways, back to Prince. I, 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 Prince I, I just, I remember, 
you know, I, I certainly saw a little red Corvette, but I think I think for me, Purple Rain was sort of a defining moment, and uh, it's for millions, billions of people, for sure. And I was thirteen at the time, and you think about like you know, Michael Jackson was also huge with Thriller around that era, but Michael Jackson was so uh, sanitized and palatable. <laughs> Um, I mean, sanitized is an unusual. Aspect, well, but. right, 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 but almost. No, Prince almost, was dirty. Right, right. That's Prince that's what I'm dirty, getting at. See, Mike, yeah. Michael Jackson was very like. I, I mean, obviously, he has his personal life. Oh, no, and I'm saying like how he presented his, himself. Mu- yes, musically, was very PG. Right, he was very yeah. asexual musically. Prince. Like he, you know, when I got to hear Purple Rain, he was and, triple black. Yeah, ero- triple erotic X. city. Like I hadn't heard anything like that before. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly there were other artists like Blowfly, Blowfly, who we've played before, who was doing that stuff earlier. We're talking about like some of the most. In, when we played the Who, the Clash, and Prince back to back, we're talking about some of the most influential musicians <laughs> yeah. of all time. Right, right. And rock and roll certainly right. during people who lived during our lifetime. Right. So right. Um, it's a huge challenge. Like, it it, you know, it I, is, and I don't really. I don't know, know why we've even embarked on it, but here we go. I don't know <laughs> we, what we have to add to the story, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play not a much, song. not much. From one of his earlier records, from the Dirty Mind LP from 1980, um, and which is maybe my favorite record of his. It's got so many great songs on it. It's got um, When You Were Mine. It's got the title track. Uh, and it's got this one, which is just a like a dance party, instant party, you know, instant dance party. Well, that's what he was. You put this one yeah. on, everyone will get moving. This one's called Party Up. I think you know this one, right, Bob? Yep. All right. Here we go. Let's dance.
what else do you have to say about Prince, right? Well, I would like to say this, actually, because, like, um, deservedly, he's, like, revered as one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And yeah. And really tell it on that song. Right. So, like, if you don't mind, if you could cue one up for me. I could. Um, the Morning Papers. The Morning Papers. And, yeah. From. And like, uh, and, like, you know, of course, like, so, I mean, like, think about how many artists that played in his band, his band that have gone to amazing careers. I mean... You know, yeah, right. And look, look no further than one of my favorite musicians, Sheila E. For God's sakes, I mean, yeah, right. I, I, I mean, yeah, one of my heroes. Yeah, you know, like I once saw Sheila E. play with um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was. I mean, Sheila E. For God's sakes, like, I mean, somewhat embarrassingly, I've been mentioned in the same breath as her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, she is just a goddess. Yeah. You know, like. She is. And uh, she really so is. So we'll celebrate her on a future show. Okay. We'll do a Sheila E. feature, but like. Let's do it. I want to hear, like, Prince, like, I just, like, I know that's a great guitar performance by him. Like, just let's play a snippet of that. The Morning Papers? Let's play the whole thing. I got it ready. Here you go. Yeah. He realized that she was new to love. It's the symbol of even every right. way. Every schoolboy's fantasy she was. That's why he had to wait. If they pour his heart into a glass and offered it like wine, she could drink and be back in time for the morning paper. Face. 
Yeah. Minneapolis. That's right. Minneapolis. It's a bit of a theme, this episode. Yeah, well, we'll get to that, but like... um, Indeed. In a state, like a... Uh, there's, you know, of course, Prince was an abs. In fact, that album was just like a. Remember when he dropped the name and changed to a symbol? Right, right. Uh, you know, although ironically, was it like, the first song on that album is called "My Name Is Prince." Right, but at the same time, <laughs> still, you know, come yeah, on, like, right. he was a, he was like an absolute trickster. Who does that stuff? You know, yeah. yeah, you know, when you're that, like, when you're that on top of your game, like he was, like in terms of the music industry with his own, like insane world-class studio outside of minneapolis like and like a guy that just like lived to play like you know and like i never met him and, and like the closest ever i saw him play in 2010 wow um yeah same festival in northern europe and like we just had finished and like everybody's like oh prince is going on you had to walk like you know a quarter mile and it's like I'd kind of put it all in, wasn't sure if we were good. So, like, we played in the afternoon. Like, somebody's heading over because, like, because it's Prince. For a good reason, <laughs> you know. And, like, I kind of put it all in, you know, like, and was enjoying the privacy of uh, a small trailer dressing room, you yeah. know. And, yeah. you know, trying to throw a sandwich down. And I, I walked over there and, like, there was just like the entire festival was like there and which must have been like, I can't remember the name, but it must've been like 25,000 people in a field, you know? Wow. And so I stood in the back and, you know, watched as best I could from a distance, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, so, but just like, uh, again, like my Prince experience is just like, okay, this is a legend and a hit maker. And I'd like, I'd never, really had a huge connection like um mm-hmm. i don't th- i don't think i ever bought a prince record um did you you oh, said yeah. you did right sure yeah yeah and a number. Um, but it was just like one of those things that was just like uh, a different universe for me but like also like you know what are you gonna say like right. you know like right well, I'm glad you. Brought I'm a up fan, his... like I'm a fan with little knowledge, but like, right. I, I, like keep it. This is a guy that like, he essentially brought the guitar, a very famous guitar, which billions of guitar players play, the Fender Telecaster, to a new level. Yeah, and I'm glad and you it... brought that up because for me, I think, you know, obviously people celebrate his guitar playing, but. It's it's just one other piece in what made him, but he he was an amazing guitar player. Like I oh, think and he a doesn't dancer and a singer. Yeah, and like, he doesn't get his. You know, I mean, he, he's not spoken of in the same breadth as many of the great guitar players. But I think he deserves. Well, to no, he certainly is. Like obviously, there's Hendrix, who had yeah. to have been like a big influence. It, yeah, I mean, you'd almost have to think so, right? Like, I don't know enough. I've never... Right. Have you ever read a Prince biography? There, I'm sure no. there's several. No. Yeah. But, uh... But, uh... Yeah, I mean, you can just tell by his playing, but it, it, even... Even when he's Just solo, a wizard, just like this magical wizard. Like, it's, but in it's fact, always... I've gotten in conversations, like, my lack of knowledge of Prince is, like, often, like, sorry, I have to defer. Like, you tell me. Like, it's one of the great things about music. It's like, 
you tell me because I just don't know. I just appreciate it, but like I just don't know. Right. Uh, his playing is always so tuneful. Even when he's soloing, it's not. It's not like showing off necessarily. No, no. And, and, and despite the wizardry. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, anyway. I mean, I don't know. We could go on about Prince for for the whole show. I, I also don't know what I could say that hasn't already been said. So, uh, why well, am actually going to shift gears with somebody who? I mean, I don't know because she's in a similar fashion, a mysterious artist, right. and um, obviously, 2020 her album "Fetch the Bolt Cutters" is one of the. It's, it's, coronavirus proof in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's like, um, this is Fiona Apple. Was I mean, probably. Fiona Apple, uh, McAfee, McMagger. And um, obviously, she's formidable. And, mm-hmm. like, um, my wife, Whitney, is and her friend Trish Boyd, recently engaged, who's one of my best friends. Um, I, know, I know Fiona Apple before them, but, like, getting to know them over the last 15 years of my life, Fiona Apple's like um, I always call it. They always say, "Why do you call it Fiona?" It's just like I'm sorry, it's the way I talk. <laughs> but um, I've I've um, I've had the pleasure of like actually learning her music and um, and and really enjoying it, and also like um, you know learning about her. And um, she's. Uh, controversial artist in a great way and she took on the music industry she's taken on so many things she's just to me she's like a marvel mm. and um she's like a just a marvel marvelous uh, artist with an incredible voice and I, i'm gonna play um the title track off of her 2005 album extraordinary machine and you know again when, when i play these formidable artists like you know, you and I are both obscurists. So, like, sure. when we're talking about, like, The Who and The Clash, who we listened to when we were teenagers. And then we go into Prince, um, who was always around always around us. And, like, in my case, there's people that always knew way more. And, like, always cared way more. And, like, um, and but Fiona Apple, like, actually, like, from a... The size, like a human standpoint, size, like small, small people, and yeah, and uh, Fiona Apple's a Fiona Apple's amazing, and uh, this is extraordinary machine. And I want you to listen to the words because it's actually like attacking the business, which also mm-hmm. Prince did. Like mm-hmm. the, did. even though they, even though like it's always interesting to me, like people are like who are like always like top drawer, like um success stories like but often like just kind of wanted to like fuck with the music industry right you know make their own path and because they like, there's a certain amount of transcendence there like um when you know when you know like the balls in your court i don't even know how they think like yeah. either of them and like i don't even know if the, either of them have met but anyways fiona apple extraordinary machine I certainly haven't been shopping for any new shoes And I certainly haven't been spreading myself around 
I still only travel by foot and by foot it's a slow climb But I'm good at being uncomfortable so I can't stop changing all the time I notice that my opponent is always on the go And won't go slow so as not to focus And I notice he'll let you ride with any guide as long as they go fast From whence he came but he's no good at being uncomfortable so we can't stop staying exactly the same If there was a better way to go then it would find me I can't help it, the road just rolls out behind me Be kind to me, or treating me mean I'll make the most of it, I'm an extraordinary machine I seem to you to seek a new disaster every day You deem me due to clean my view and be at peace and lay I mean to prove, I mean to move in my own way And say I've been getting along for long before you came into the play I am the baby of the family, it happens so Everybody cares and wears the sheep's clothes while they chaperone Curious, you're looking down your nose at me while you appease Courteous to try and help, but let me set your mind at ease If there was a better way to go, then it would find me I can't help it, the road just rolls out behind me Be kind to me, or treat me mean I'm an extraordinary machine Do I soar you? You need to hurry to myself It's very kind But it's too But the road just rolls out behind me Be kind to me, or treat me mean I'll make the most of it, I'm an extraordinary machine If there was a better way to go, then it would find me I can't help it, the road just rolls out behind me Hey Mike. Hey Bob. Do me a favor. Uh huh. Um, can you bring up uh, fetch the bolt cutters? Yeah. And play under the table. And I, I'm saying like, you know, we'll talk about Fiona after that. But this is like going to 2020, which is like, it's an amazing album. Right. And, and I would say even arguably the most anticipated album of 2020. Well, who cares about that? Like, it's just like... The, well, you know, 
it's a it's a tough year to have a have a new album come out. That's like, true. And I, like, um, I just say that because I don't know how many years it had been since she'd released a prior record, and I think a lot of people were really. It's her fifth in, album, and they, she's been around. Like, think right. about she's been around for for 96, twenty years, and yeah. she's only forty two, maybe yeah. longer. Yeah, and like, and she's just got such a, I mean, like a marvel, but just a marvel as a singer. Right. All right. And I thought that, yeah. You want me to play it? Yes, please. Okay, here you go. Under the table. Bone apple. I beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. I told you I didn't want to go to this dinner. You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about. So when they say something that makes me start to simmer That fancy wine won't put this fire out Oh, kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up I'd like to buy you a pair of pillows, old hiking boots to help you with your climb Or rather to help the bodies that you step over along your route So they won't hurt like mine Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up I won't shut up And if I don't wanna go Don't you push me If you get me to go and I open my mouth to the fucking mutton that they're talking about You could pout, but don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you shush me Get me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table Fiona Apple's 
absolutely brilliant. Yeah. She, She's a punk rocker. <laughs> she is someone I'm familiar with, but I don't know deeply. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have heard some of her albums. I've appreciated and enjoyed her records, but I haven't explored as much as I probably should. Because well, those... no, it's just like me with Prince, you know, like, uh, yeah. but like, you know, probably my wife, you know, like I live in a household where like, I always ask Whitney, like, what kind of music do you like, you know? And she's, and she says, well, you know, you know what I like. And yeah. I said, well, at the end of the day, like, she's like, you know, Daniel Johnson and David Berman and like Fiona Apple and like. And, and all these things, and like it's like you know what? Tell people like depressing me. She loves Joy Division. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's almost like what's not a goth, but like it's like and her friend Trish, like her best friend Trish, like like the two of the biggest and the huge PJ Harvey fans. Like, sure. it's just like my wife makes art. You know, she makes great art, and like this is like the music that emanates from her studios. Like. It's always on in the background, like really loud, like, and like you know, there's things happening, and like, I mean, she's the one that should be talking, like, because she's the expert. But like at the yeah. same time, I'm here, and like I just know it, because like, I'm up here with Ghost, you know. Yeah. And, um, but uh, I've 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 really enjoyed like being in the background, like, regardless of the backstories, but like she's just like a like. Prince, in a, in a way, like tremendously successful people, like obviously Prince is now gone, but Fiona Apple's like 42 years old. Like, she just like, she doesn't even need to play live. She's yeah. like a, right. like she lives with her dogs, you know, right. like multiple dogs and like, and I don't even know how she does it, but like just a brilliant singer with like a tremendous sense of style. I mean, you talk about style like she's just formidable and like mm -hmm. i just you know mm -hmm. i can't imagine ever being like that you know like right. that but i i've i've been i've learned to not only appreciate her but like really just dig her so like you know that's all i can say about her you know like because yeah. like, i love to see her live but like in a way like she's one of those artists like um i'd rather rather not see live you know, yeah. like in some ways, even though I'd be more than happy to like take my wife and Trish Boyd and like all of her friends that love Fiona Apple to see a Fiona Apple show. But like, I'd love to go and I get part, you know, and like I'd love to like, you know, have them all in the back of the car and just be like, you know, go on like and then I'll just like take it all in. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's an interesting aspect. Like, uh, you know, we're dealing with like, you know. It's their generation, like, um, and, like, Fiona Apple's, like, you know, their voice, and, like, um, and she's, like, just marvelous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's the sort of artist that rarely gives interviews. She doesn't really put much out there. She doesn't release much. She's sort of the anti guided by voices where well know, no like in a lot of ways she's like david berman david berman he was, too yeah. like, he's gone yeah. but he was the right. same way right like sure like he like you know don't let anybody else tell my story like yeah. um like in the case of david like he only trusted like two journalists um mm. that i can i mean 
uh, is Buddy Vishkana and his buddy David Mallets. So, like, and I imagine that, like, I'm sure I guarantee they didn't know each other, but, like, and who even knows if Gun Apple knows who David is, um, or vice versa, but, like, it's just, like, same kind of experience. Like, I'll define myself. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. I right. mean, like, just, you know, unusually talented people. And um, so, I mean, like, I've said my piece and, like, but I, but I, I just tip my cap. Yeah. There's nothing else I can do is that sure. I can't write songs. I can't sing. For sure. And we've talked about that a thousand times on a podcast with 129 episodes. So, yeah. <laughs> that's right. What are you going to do? You know, uh, that's right. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play Pretenders. Um, go back to You should play Precious because like. I'm not precious. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not precious. Where yeah. are you gonna go with the Pretenders? Like my sister's favorite band was a kid. Yeah, well, We're, yeah, the whole show should be about Mary. Like you know, like you know, our Marys. You right. Know, like for sure. How how great are our lives to have like sister, older sisters like Mary? Right. I mean, I could start with uh, Precious because. It's one of oh, the, one of the on. best fantastic song. Yeah, one of the best intro songs or first songs on one of the best debut albums ever. You know, I mean, that's yeah. how they announced. And not the Pretenders. They were just Pretenders. And pretenders. Yeah. They didn't have the the until I think the third. Well, we'd always say like Clash. Who you know, right. like Pretenders. Like Pretenders. Um, but precious. I mean, I could, I, I could play. Nobody precious. ever said the blondie. Why don't I? Why don't I play precious and then I'll lead it into the song I was gonna play, which was mystery achievement, which is the bookend. It's, it's the first Ooh. song and the last song of that record, which is, in my opinion, one of the. One you always say message of love. But message Chrissy of love. Hine had so much style for a she, non-singer. She like, did, and this is back when she was married to uh, Ray Davies. Oh yeah, Ray Davies. <laughs> uh, and you know, of course, she recorded "Stop Your." I wonder what that was like. I don't know. That was probably hey, like, crazy. Imagine seeing them in the pub. Right, right. Davies well, and I, Creed, my Chrissy Hine is from Ohio, but she, she moved to England. She moved to England. This is where the, the band was from. You know, James Honeyman Scott on guitar. I mean, God rest his soul. He died young of uh, heroin. Um, what was the name of the lad that died in the bathtub? Was that wasn't that James Honeyman Scott? Maybe I thought it was yeah you know, the Pete guy. Pete, oh, Pete Farndon, maybe. Basis? Yeah, yeah, okay. that was him. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. So. That's um, right. Yeah. So yeah, oh, I'll I'll play them both. Why not? Here you go, Precious, and then I'll just I'll just let it run straight into Mystery Achievement. And yeah. fantastic. Pretenders. Can't miss. Yeah. Across the street, cause you're precious. Moving through the Cleveland heat, how precious. You're taking that and all the kicks are so precious. You know how to shit and bricks, cause I ain't precious. Make me wanna. Make me wanna. 
Keeping it going, more pretenders. Mystery achievement.
Chrissy Hind. Hell yeah. Well, and James Hunt, James Hunterman Scott, James Pete Farnden. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's song... those two died within like a year of each other. Ah, uh, so sad. So sad. It's weird. Eighty-two, like eighty-three. So like one of a, in the case of the Honey Man, I mean, could have been part parcel of his nickname, like cocaine. Yeah. And then Farnden and the bathtub on heroin. Um, and the pretenders like when and I don't know how Chrissy Hine went from Akron to London. Right. In the early eighties or late seventies. Like seventies, yeah. I don't know I don't know how it all worked. But like one thing that's always been interesting to me is like when you think about that's not our generation. That's when we were kids. Right. Okay. Yeah. But a a band that's very much a part of our generation is obviously Pixies. And sure. Kim Deal, who's from sure. Date. Sure. Okay, yep. so like, and Chrissy Hine obviously is 60, late 60s now. And like, I'm not sure what she's up to. The, I mean, the Pretenders are still releasing records, you know? They In just, what form? They just, uh, I mean, they put out a record this year. They put out a I record. I wonder who this plays year. on it. Um, it's, boy, Chrissy I don't know. Hind. Chrissy Hind. Um, can obviously like it'd be like you know you can't have although I've seen it before you can have bands without the lead singer right um, I, I don't think I don't know who else I don't think Martin Chambers who's the drummer I don't think he's in it necessarily I think it's basically just her um, and a bunch of like studio musicians or yeah something. right but you know she's still doing stuff but I don't she's, mean to discredit studio musicians no. they can all play she's she's uh, she's doing her thing. Um, you know, I mean, I think of, when I think of powerful rock front women, you know, I think like Brass and Pocket, Joan, Message of Love. Yeah, yeah, Joan Jett, Chrissy Hind, um, right? Oh, there's a million. Like, don't get into this. You yeah, know, but, a million. but, yeah, but th- there are, but, but I mean, I think of like the early ones, you know, like the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s, you know. It's a short list. Well, Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry, you know, for sure, for sure. Um, it's not really a short list. It's a short list in terms of, like, people that were really successful. That, that's right. That's right. That's right. In terms of, like, me as a child, I mean, again, going back to the He might have the raincoats and the slits. Going back to the 80s and seeing stuff on MTV, you know, seeing predominantly dude-centric rock. You well, know, so we played the start of the show. We started off the show with The Who, the and, the who and The Clash, for right. fuck's sake. Right, right. And then right. Prince, like, right. you know, obviously, like, they went into, you know, I mean, like, it's just like, you know, this is very, very difficult. So someone, someone like Chrissy Hine, for me, was a revelation because there weren't, you know, like Pat Benatar, kind of. Oh, my God, she's from Richmond. She's a genius. Yeah. You know, she was she was along those same lines. You know, I mean, I remember. Seeing oh, Natalie that. Merchant, you can throw her in there. She's yeah, fantastic. A little, a, a little later, but yeah, that doesn't mean Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, a little later, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think of being twelve, thirteen, early '80s, and seeing these artists coming on MTV and. You know, most of the women that were doing stuff in that era that were successful 
they were doing mellower stuff. Um, and, you know, Joan Jett, Pat Benatar. But there's also Christina a lot Hyde. of, like, you know, punk rock stars. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I found them later. X-Ray Specs, for example. I, I found them later. I was... No, as God, God love polystyrene, but I was not listening to polystyrene in 1981, 82, 83. You know, I wish I was. Well, not when it came out, but like, yeah, but like I wish seven I years later, you were. I wish I was. Right, right. It took me a little while to to, to find and discover that stuff. But um, well, these were the things that were in our face. You know, that's like, right. Um, that's right. And and so you know, I mean, I just love the when way you played Rippers. Like you played Rippers by the Pretenders, but <laughs> yeah. they had like some serious MTV hits, and like they were radio hits. Yeah. Like... Well, Stop Your Sobbing was their first big one. You know, they had Back on the Chain Gang. They had you know, sh- oh, fantastic! Oh, love great that video. Song. You talk about videos. Yeah, love that song. I mean, just really great, great, great songs. Anyway, oh, so could... it's interesting to think like. Um... I don't really know Kim Deal well. I've met her a few times, but like, I've never. Obviously, it wouldn't be like, "Hey, well, you know, what do you think of Chrissy Hyde?" You know, yeah, like, sure. The question you don't ask somebody like that when you're <laughs> trying to rack up a bunch of pool balls in like, you know, Amsterdam or something. You know. Well, next time you're Try racking up pool balls in Amsterdam with with Kim Deal. Um. <laughs> no, we'll never happen again. But like, uh, we did win a few games and then you know that kind of thing. But. Um, that's all beside the point. We'll get. We'll actually get into that because we're. You know, we're. This show is going to be an endless one. It is kind of like, endless. These artists are so great. So what are you going to do? You're you're, you're going like next, and and I know you're going. You're going heavy, right? We have no choice. You're going dark. Um, we're actually doing a a three songs pod legends pivot. <laughs> okay, I mean, like, right. You talk about. We're playing. This is really hard to play. Legends of the game, and like as you said, all the listeners know these artists, and they actually know in a lot of cases more than I do. Sure, and you do. Okay, yeah. right. And um, tremendously influential artists, and like obviously this gentleman's like uh, this. I'm actually going to play a song, the title track, off his album, a couple weeks before he died. Right. That's right. Yeah, I and mean, like, uh, and this is, ago. you know, I mean, like, I, I just don't even know what to say. And you can double bubble it, and we'll talk about it. But this is Leonard Cohen. Yep. And um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play. You want it darker? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Candles burning for the help that never came. 
came out right right around when he died right before he died i think well it's just like david bowie who died in 2016 also right and didn't prince die in 2016 it was a pretty awful year for losing legends yeah nice introduction to the um presidency yeah (laughs) right that's true that's true 
set it all up. Well, he died, I think, on... So he died November 7th. And, like, unlike all the other artists we've played on the show tonight, um, Leonard Cohen, there's a certain amount of... Um, Pennilessness. Yeah. Oh, he got screwed over by his man. He got screwed over. He got I mean, screwed like, hard. Yeah. It's Real like hard. it's had, like in a lot of ways he had to like go out there crippled. Mm-hmm. Yep. And keep going. Yep. And that's that era. So I, I know I know you want to play a song from his prime, uh, as he's one of the most influential artists of our lives. Sure. Sure. And we're like with all this not leave out the fact that this is a Canadian. Yeah, he's from um, what uh, <clears throat> Montreal, right? Yeah. yeah. So like Quebec, Quebec, and you know, Canada's music's amazing. And, yeah. And you know, Canada's response, like every, and I had, a, I had a brilliant conversation with a young young kid, thirty three year old kid, the other day about Canada, and like he meant to talk to me about. Um, other things, and I, you know, I do this sometimes. Like um, they want to talk to me about other things, and I, I'd rather talk about them. I'd rather talk to a thirty-four-year-old Canadian sure. named Jacob about the differences about being in Toronto right now as opposed to being in Des Moines, which right. is the hot spot right now of the coronavirus spread. Mm. As I sit here. And you live in Portland, which is, you know. I mean, it's been I mean, here too. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's the hot spot, but it's it's definitely not uh, dying down. I mean, who knows? But like, um, Sony was like, "Let me tell you. Let me have you play Leonard Cohen." Okay, uh, I. You can choose whatever you want, because like the first time I ever heard Leonard Cohen was when I was sixteen years old. I bought a cassette tape. Yeah, I mean, I think and for me. Might have been like your greatest hits sort of thing. Yeah. And like, um, yeah. And he's changed a lot of things, a lot of people's lives. But like, um, in my case, like, you know, because I'm doing this podcast, um, it was like dark, you know, and of course, I, you know, barely even knew it when I was 16 who the Velvet Underground were. And it was just like, you know, and then experienced all kinds of brilliant punk rock, like you know Leonard Cohen's just like whoa, right? So he's so he's, tell me your story because you're four years younger than me. Yeah, he's someone I discovered through other artists. Um, you know, I think notably, probably most notably, first Kurt Cobain. You know, um, uh, give me a Leonard Cohen Afterworld, uh, where I can sigh eternally. Um, I think that might have been my first real exposure to who Leonard Cohen was. And then, you know, shortly after that, uh, I got into Nick Cave and hearing his versions of, like, Avalanche, um, which is probably, you know, from probably my favorite Leonard Cohen record, which is Songs of Love and Hate. Um, I don't know if I'll play anything from that because... You know, it's dark, it's deep, it's it's brooding. Well, it's, it's they all amazing. Are. I mean, like, um, you know. but but I think the first thing I bought of Leonard Cohen's was probably like you, the greatest hits. I think I bought. I don't know if it was maybe it was vinyl, maybe it was CD. I bought a used copy of 
when it's Except for me. Greatest hits, yeah. And um, this song was on, and I'm going to play this one. It's, it's a little lighter, um, and I love it because the lyrics are great. This is supposedly written about Janis Joplin. It's called Chelsea Hotel Number 2. And yeah. one of my favorite lines of Leonard Cohen is in this song, which is, you told me again you prefer handsome men, but for me you would make an exception. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Leonard Cohen, such a beautiful, beautiful lyricist and songwriter. Um, so I'll, this, that's the one I'll play from 1974's New Skin for the Old Ceremony, Chelsea Hotel Number 2. I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel. You were talking so brave and so sweet Giving me head on the unmade bed While the limousines wait in the street Those were the reasons that was New York We were running for the money and the flesh And that was called love for the workers in song Probably still is For those of them left Yeah, but you got away Didn't you, babe? You just turned your back on the crowd You got away I never once heard you say I need you I don't need you I need you, I don't need you And all of that jiving around I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel You were famous, your heart was a legend You told me again you preferred handsome men but for me you would make an exception And clenching your fist For the ones like us who are oppressed By the figures of beauty You fixed yourself You said, well, never mind We are ugly, but we have the music And then you got away didn't you, baby? You just turned your back on the crowd. You got away, I never once heard you say, I need you. I don't need you. I need you. I don't need you. And all of that jiving around. I don't mean to suggest that I loved you the best I can't keep track of each fallen robin I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel That's all, I don't even think of you that often So many great, we are, we are ugly but we have the music is another line that I love from that song. Uh, turn your back on the crowd, Nate. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Hey, come on. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, he's often compared to Bob Dylan, but like Bob Dylan wasn't writing songs about giving head on the unmade bed. Um, oh, there's a, that's like a really poor comparison. Uh, like well, to me, like, I, I understand. Like a, like a lot of it's, it's just like too think, easy to do. Just yeah. to say, like sixties. There are mountains of lyricists. Lyricists, yeah. Mountains of lyricists, like um, like. And he was a poet I mean, before he was a songwriter, really. Well, but, but like similar to similar I mean, like, to Berman in ways. I think I think he realized that that songs were the best way to get his poetry out there. All my favorite singers couldn't sing. Right, right. Like Joe Strummer. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Strummer, Strummer could sing better than these guys. But like, <laughs> I guess. But he, you know, I mean, if if imagine Joe Strummer going on American Idol, you know, like they would. They, oh, fuck American Idol. <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm just talking about like the people that say you can sing or you can't sing. You know, Joe Strummer couldn't well, sing I mean, as like, far as that goes. You know, Fiona Apple could sing. Yeah, yeah, how she, great is she? she so can. that's true, that's true. Roger Daltrey and Prin- could. Prince could sing. Prince could sing. Prince yeah. could sing. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. but anybody, anybody out there that's got words who can't sing, go on with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Thurston Moore can't sing. No. Um, D. Boo doesn't have a great singing voice. He could sing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like. Uh, yeah, we, Paul Westerberg, you Paul know, Westerberg. Like you would not, you would never call him a traditional singer. We'll get to him, Bob, but he can sing. Bob Mould, you know, we're gonna, Bob Mould can we'll, sing. We'll, gonna jump into him. We'll play, we'll, so we'll like, play him next. Yeah, so uh, I think we're going to end the show with a couple Minneapolis artists. Um, you know, we played Minneapolis. One, we, we played one earlier in Prince. Uh, I think it's appropriate because, like, um, the cold Minneapolis winds blowing in here. We're dropping from ninety to forty. Oof. Ouch. Degrees, which is fine. Welcome. We need yeah. the rain, but like, yeah. who cares about the weather? As long as like they'll blow the house over, you know. Oops. Yep. I. Uh, I the, just, it's uh, nice of water to come in the basement, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I was uh, I was getting things ready there, and I I I gave a brief snippet of what we're going to be playing, which is um, that's cool. I didn't hear it. Uh, it's okay. Uh, I'm going to play something from 1985 from Husker Du. Uh, their final LP on the the great indie indie label SST Records before they went to Warner Brothers. Uh, of course, I'm talking about New Day Rising is the name of the album, and uh, I want to play Celebrated Summer, which in in Husker du is an interesting band, kind of like The Clash in a way, where. They had two distinct singer-songwriters in the same band, in Bob Norton. Bob, uh, no, uh, well, Grant Hart. Well, Bob Hart, Hart, yeah. Norton played the bass. Norton yeah. played the bass. He did. I don't know if he wrote any songs. Um, no, he did. Yeah, he did. did. He? Okay, he didn't sing though, right? I mean, it was pretty yeah. much. Just, well, no, he do background vocals. Okay, just just Grant. You saw Grant him, right? You saw him. I never saw. I never saw Husker. I, I saw Bob Mould play live uh, on his first. It was a it was a solo acoustic on the you know supporting workbook. Um, he was solo acoustic and, and Vic Chestnut opened up. Um, oh, Vic Chestnut! We played him yet? Uh, I, you know, I played Vic Chestnut 
Uh, when Not you, sure when I was absent. When you were absent, so we can we can play some. It's only my 120th episode. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Mike's have been here for all 129. Uh, that's right. Um, so anyway, I want I want to play "Celebrated Summer." It's a Bob. You always do shows without me. Uh, I've only done a couple. I've I've done like three right. or four. Just just three or four. Basically, the show is you and me, Bob. So. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Mate. Uh, anyway, well, Tracy Keats Wilson's always welcome. Yeah, that's and true. all of them. That's true. Um, we 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 can have guests. But, Eric Bartlett's always welcome. But you welcome. you and I maybe we'll have a guest soon. Uh, I know we're gonna have. Let's Beth, get Blake Bartlett on. We're gonna get 12. we're gonna get Beth Murphy on at some point. Um, yeah. So in, in in maybe in a couple weeks, but uh, Greg Meister. Here you go. Who's do celebrated summer? Uh, it's a Bob Mould song, and it's. Um, you know, for a band that is known for their fury, this is kind of one of the mellower ones of theirs. Um, but it's flying nice, V guitar, and and I feel like it's appropriate because the summer is starting to wind down. It's September sixth, moving into now September seventh. So here you go, Who's Do. Happy Labor Day.
New Day Rising. Yeah, I saw that tour in Richmond. Oh, the yeah? Rockets. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've only heard stories, but I, I have heard that they're just punishing live. Absolutely. Yeah. Just loud. Super, super loud. Well, in this case, there's probably like 50 people in. Yeah. And I was like 17 or something. Yeah. And um, it hurt. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't hear the things I wanted to hear. Because yeah. um, it was just like blinding. I thought they were hiding. Okay. I thought it was weird like to be like... And then like... Um, what was the name of that album they put out? Like that... Um, Cherry Apple Grey or something like Candy that. Candy Apple Grey, right. Candy Apple Grey. The one that came out right I after that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that and I played the album straight through. And like... I don't know what the problems were and stuff like that. But like... I thought there was, like, um, a lot of, like, um, problems. I always thought there was a lot of problems amongst the three. Mm-hmm. Could have been, like, um, drugs or, like, whatever. Like, and I didn't believe me. I'm in no position to complain about any live performance by any band, okay? And um, I just I just always sense a, a certain amount of difficulty in that band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, they were they're similar to the replacement. Ragnar and Granhart. Yeah. Yep, Bob Mold. Bob Mold. Um, similar to, I think, the replacements, not just because they were in the same scene at the same time in Minneapolis, but... Yeah, but the replacements were different. Because well, they were, like... They were way different. We're getting into them next, but, like... Yeah, but, but I, I guess my point is that they were always... They were both bands kind of on the verge of falling apart. Even when they were, like, getting success, they were... They were, but for different reasons. For different, re- absolutely. But like they were, you know. I mean, I think I think Husker Du was fighting amongst each each other. They were fighting for. There were egos fighting, you know, because two main songwriters. Um, there were a number, you know, but there was just so much talent. And you're talking about like Zen Arcade, yeah, New, New Day, Day Rising, Rising, Flip Your Wig, Flip Your Wig, Flip might Your have been Wig, the final but Flip Your Wig LP. was like. Now, how do you feel about I, that album? I like that. I like that record. I think you like it. I do. You don't like it? I mean, I haven't listened to it in 20 years, but you, like... You should, you should listen to it, my man. I mean, songs oh, like... Thanks. Oh, the, divide thank and, you. Divide and Conquer, you know. Oh, uh, Divide and Conquer is amazing. Uh, so a, there's always, like, moments of brilliance. Like, yeah. But I think, like, when you're talking about, like, you know, Zen Arcade was, like... A response to like double nickels on the dime. Which came first? Which um, came first? Double nickels on the dime or Zen Arcade? I don't know. I, I think they may have been released in the same day, but I think what happened was the story goes that the Minutemen heard that Husker Du was doing a double record and they said, Well, we can do a double record too. So easily. Yes. Easily. Yes. So I think, I think. Double Nickels was supposedly a response to Zen Arcade, but um, yeah, but but they had all the they had all the nuggets. They, they had so many, were, yeah, yeah. Well, we won't get we won't get into you know. So I'll play I'll play. There was a bit of a rivalry there, which was there, like kind of welcome a, on SSC. Total rivalry, um, because they were label mates and they were friends. Uh, I'll play something a little more furious, and then, and then we'll we'll turn it over to the replacements. Um, 
This is from wow. This is this is from. Did you ever have that blasting concept volume two record on SST? Yes. Yeah. I so own it. Yeah. This is this is the Husker Du song from there. It's kind of a more obscure one. It's called A Race Today, but it's a good. I love this song. Oh, no, yeah, it's a great song. It's a great song, and it's it's. I think it it kind of captures more the spirit of what the earlier Husker Du stuff is. So yeah, here you go. Do. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so along those same lines, at the same time, the replacements in the well, same Well, I town. mean, completely different bands. They were. Despite the fact. They were. They're from the city of Prince. Keep yep. in mind. Yep. You played Prince earlier. Yep. Like, you know, this is Minneapolis, which is like, we talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Are all three of those bands in it? Uh, boy, I don't know. Prince is obviously Prince, in Prince has Who to cares? be. Yeah. I doubt Husker Du or The Replacements are. I mean, you're, you're right that they're different bands, but like there are some similarities that I think, not just from the geography and, and the fact they were in the same scene, I think Paul Weskerberg and Bob Mould, they were both... Punks. Nobody knows anything about their relationship, though. No, so the, 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 I know. Um, they were both because punks. one thing I'll tell you about Westerberg is he's about the same size as Prince. Okay, yeah, he's a little. I'm guy. talking about his physicality. These right. are right. he's a little guy. Um, but I'm already even talking about the Stinson brothers, right? Well, you know, I mean, the Stinson brothers, they were they were sort of the like the you know. We're talking about like hard. Tommy since it was like 15 years old. He's in the band. He was like 13 when they first started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and well, he's you know, 15. He's like, holy shit! The, I'm on the road. I'm in this band. Right. right. The story goes that you know Bob, the older brother, would punch him in the arm whenever he messed up a, a bass line. You know, like that's how he learned to play. Yeah. You know, negative reinforcement. Um, so here. Uh, this is sort of my transition. I know you wanted to play kind of a mellower. I'll play Johnny's Gonna Die. 
Johnny's gonna die. Well, I was gonna play. I was gonna play something to do. You want to play Johnny's gonna die? Um, yeah, it's wait. Johnny's gonna die. Johnny Thunders. Well, right. It's it's about it's about Johnny Thunders. I was gonna play something to do because it was such a uh, it was a nice little lead in from Husker Du their their song about Husker Du from their first album. But um, but we can do Johnny's gonna die. It's it gives. Even on, that, even on that first record, it shows the kind of breadth that they were more than just a punk rock band. They they wrote kind of more complex songs, and, and you're gonna you're gonna play you're a version of that or an example of that from um, 1985's Tim LP. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't more punk rock involved. It was more like well, it was. Who's gonna do? Was an SST band? Yeah, and and, and like. They're competing with the Minutemen. Good luck. Yeah. Okay. In Black and Flag. Like, I don't know how that all works with like dealing with like Greg Ginn, like you know, Black Flag and all that shit. But the replacements were on Twin Tone, and right. they were just like they were like talking about the Who at the start of the show and the Clash at the start of the show. Like they were a pub rock band. Yeah. Sure. With it, with it, with an amazing guitar player, Bob Simpson. Yeah. Who I saw when I was sixteen years old. You know, sitting on an iron staircase, they wouldn't let kids in. Right, wearing a wearing a yellow jacket and flashing the crowd before he fell over. Yep, and before he did that, he played wicked guitar. Sure, this sure. is you know, I mean, like you know, the replacements. The replacements are just like, they... and then they like they tackled the project like. You know, they got involved, like, in the mid-80s. This is way before Nirvana. Sure. There would be actually, like, the business changed. Like, they the did. replacement changed yeah. the business. They, they they helped, yeah, they helped change for sure. And they were a band that you didn't know what you were going to get. From a live show, from an album. Like, you, they would, they would have flashes of brilliance, and then they would just throw in these clunkers. Yeah. Uh, from show oh, well, to show, fucking, you know, Lord knows I've been through that. Yeah, you know, like, right. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, I mean, so I'll, I'll play Johnny's gonna die, and then and then we'll we'll play your song, uh, which is from. Oh, no, whatever. We'll Tim. Just talk about it afterwards. Yeah. So Johnny's gonna die. Here you go about Johnny Thunders. Yeah.
Hey, Mike. Hey, Bob. I'm not telling you, like, Johnny Thunders is a household name. No. No, it's a a guitar player from Derek Dolls. Right. And the Heartbreakers. And Yeah, and the Heartbreakers, and a legend, guitar playing legend. Yep. And a bit of a mess. A bit of a mess. When you're in a band like The Replacements, Mm -hmm. and you're in a band with people that are a bit of a mess, (laughs) and I've been there. Right. Yeah. Gary Young is, you know, you play Keith Moon, like, the only, the only drummer in my life I could possibly, comp- and you can say this to anybody, the only drummer I could possibly compare to anybody is Gary Young to Keith Moon. Mm-hmm. It's like, when Gary was on, it's like Keith Moon. But, like, I'm telling you that, like, sincerely. Yeah, I'm sure. I can imagine. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you gotta, that was from their first LP, 1981. No, fucking, yeah, come on, like, and this is like a... Writing a song about a, a punk rock legend and saying, basically, you know, this guy's a mess and is gonna die when they've got, yeah, Bob, who can, uh, you know, oftentimes barely stand oh, up. Oh, Tommy's a kid, a yeah. cute little kid, his Tom. little younger brother, you said, you know, great story. Yeah. Chris Mars behind the kit. Chris mm-hmm. Mars like you know, holding it all Anchor together it all. somehow. Yep. yep. God bless him yep. for this for this patience. You know, right. like, don't mess with the drummer. That's right. Always like enjoy that aspect of the replacements. Chris, Chris Mars was there for all of it. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm just gonna keep the beat and see what the hell happens. <laughs> and he was like. Chris Mars is never like overly celebrated as a great rock and roll drummer, but like the chaos was all in front of him. He's he's like the indie rock uh, Charlie Watts, right? I mean, the, when he would take that. I imagine. I imagine he just sat there and it's like, there's yeah. so much talent and ability yeah. in front of me. I'm just gonna like roll with. Yeah, it. it's just he just he just does his thing. You know, he keeps the beat. He's not flashy, but uh, you know he he's the anchor, the backbone of the of the, that is the whole cheap. band. You know, I told you this many times before. When you're when you're playing percussion and you get a lot of talent in front of you, yeah, make sure time's being kept. That's right. That's right. And like you say the same about Bill Berry and REM. For sure, he was pretty fancy. Absolutely. Pretty fancy. Absolutely. You say you say the same thing about Bob Burt. And Sonic Youth yeah. and Pussy Galore, well, and then like you know, Shelley's along to himself, Steve, you know. Shelley, yeah. And, I was, and, you know, telling my buddy Jack the other night that 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 <laughs> I, I refer to a beat as the Shelley, which is playing playing the playing the drums using a maraca, you know, as part of as part of your your rhythm. That's the Shelley. well, no, so Shelley's way better than that. Well, no, I know, I mean, but Steve. Steve's, Steve Shelley is actually one of the most underrated drummers of rock for, and roll. For sure, for sure. But I think of that as as a beat that, at least in indie rock, that he created. Like I never heard anybody doing that. You know, like oh, it, took, it, that, it took two drummers that, for us to pull that off. That bull in the yeah. heather beat. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Bull in the heather. You know that story. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, 
The Replacements, one of my favorite bands of all time. Yep. And like they keep in mind like in the eighties, yep. there was all these grabbers. All these grabbers. Sure. sure. And we were like I was never in a band, never intended to be in a band. Yeah. And this album came out on Sire yeah. Records. Their their major Tim. label debut, Tim, yeah. I never knew who Tim was. I don't know who Tim is. I don't is I don't even know who Tim is. Yeah, no. But, it's but this a- is one of my one of my favorite songs of all time. Here comes the regular, and uh, I mean, like, it's a song that if I had to do a karaoke, I'd do it. All right. Here comes the regular off of Tim. Bring it home, Bob.
once and the door slammed shut All I know is I'm sick of everything that my money can buy A fool waste his life, God rest his guts First the lights and the collar goes up and the wind begins to blow Turn your back on a pay your back last call First the glass and the leaves at last Here comes the snow Ain't much to break anyway in the fall Back on a pay you back last call. Ain't much to play the word this fall. Yeah. Uh, so many great lines. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think they're often thought of as a punk band, but so many of their best songs are like beautiful, like that. You know? Point, yeah. You know? Paul Westerberg. For what sure. a songwriter. What yeah. a songwriter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Love you, mate. Love yeah. you too, Bob. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for hanging in with us. This was a fun one. This was a long one. Long, sorry. Yeah. It's okay. It was good. We needed to do it. So we'll do it again. Yeah. We'll, we'll go back to the regular format soon, maybe with a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, everyone. Tough day. Yeah. yeah.